Alright, turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. It can be found on page 558 in the Pew Bible in front of you. Ecclesiastes 9, we're going to be looking at verses from 9.13 through 10.20. to 10.20. 5.58 in the Pew Bible. It's a longer text, so I'll be reading this passage as we go through the message. Ecclesiastes 9.13 through 10.20. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you would, as we've opened up your word, that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive it. We pray that the words that I speak would would change us, would conform us to the image of Jesus, that we would seek the way of wisdom, that we would seek to follow Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. In recent days, perhaps due to the internet or social media, the way everyone's life seems to be in the public eye these days, we hear of stories of politicians, of actors, of news reporters, of athletes who have ruined their careers due to scandals. It doesn't like, take long to, to learn about some of these, these tragic outcomes. Intelligent people have ruined their lives because of a little folly. Intelligent people have lost their jobs, their, their reputation, their legacy, their family because of a lack of sound judgment. Some have gone on the path to folly, and unfortunately, they They probably thought that they could get away with it, perhaps because they were in a position of leadership, a position of authority, a position of power. And so the question that we want to answer this morning is, how about us? Are we pursuing the way of wisdom or the way of of folly. That's what I want to address this morning. In our, in our passage, Solomon highlights wisdom and folly in order to remind us to use wisdom in our day-to-day life and to avoid folly. So this morning we're going to consider the way of wisdom and the way of folly. But before we do so, I want to give a, a recap. It's been, I think it's been about what, six weeks or so since we've been in Ecclesiastes. So I want to give a quick recap just to Get us up to page on where we're at in, in Ecclesiastes. In, in the first six chapters of the book, up to six nine, ch- chapter 6, verse 9, Solomon reflected upon life under the sun. He's shown the vanity of seeking meaning and satisfaction from the things on this earth, whether it was education, pleasure, work, money, even wisdom. It is vanity. It is a striving after the wind. These things do not ultimately satisfy. And then the last half of the book, which is where we're at as well now, but the last half of the book, which began in chapter 6, verse 10, Solomon describes some uncertainties, some mysteries that we face in life that keep us from knowing what is good for us, 
and knowing what will be after us, right? There's certain things in life, there's mysteries, there's uncertainty that keep us from knowing what's truly good for us and to keep us from knowing what will ultimately come after us. And so we're in the middle of this last half of the book with just a few chapters left and we'll be spending the next several weeks finishing out the book. So this morning we want to consider wisdom and folly. So first, you see this in your outline, the way of wisdom is better than the way of folly. So look with me now at, at first at 9.13 through 10.1. 9.13 through 10.1. I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered the, that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better, better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So in the, in the first part of this section, Solomon takes time to reflect upon the value of wisdom. But he also describes it, it has limitations. So he provides this story about a city that's under attack. There, there's this great threat from a king and it doesn't seem possible for the city to be delivered. But a poor, wise man delivered the city by his wisdom. Solomon doesn't give us any details on what the man did or how he rescued the city, only that by his wisdom, the city was delivered. And yet, no one remembered that poor, wise man. You would, you would think, right, that the people would, would be filled with joy, filled with gratitude, because he delivered their city, that, that he would have been honored, he would have been applauded and praised for his great work, but he was quickly forgotten. Even so, Solomon concludes that wisdom is better than might, though this man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom truly is better than weapons of war. Wisdom, in Solomon's mind, wisdom is of great value, but it, is off, it often goes unnoticed it's overlooked and underappreciated. And even though this is true, Solomon is calling his audience and us to consider the way of wisdom and to value wisdom and use wisdom in what we do. One writer describes this section and its application in this way. To be useful is a better reward than to be applauded. How much better to have delivered the city than to have been honored by it. 
Isn't this a good reminder for us in life and in ministry? It is better to be useful, to use our wisdom for good, than to seek man's praise. I just want to encourage you this morning that in your in quiet, your wisdom is seen. And wisdom will have its proper effect on some. The Lord sees it and He knows your faithfulness even if others don't. Right? And so often there's a temptation that we face on a day-to-day basis. We use our wisdom and yet we're, we're overlooked. We're not appreciated for, for what we've done or what we do. No one notices. And yet still seek wisdom. And this is the... This is, this is the example of Jesus himself. He is the wisdom of God, and he fully displayed his wisdom by delivering us from our sins. He died on the cross for us. And we know how misunderstood, how unnoticed, how underappreciated Jesus was, even while he lived his life on, on earth. After Jesus had, had shared some parables, This is what we read in Matthew 13. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this his mother called Mary? Where then did this great man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus was faithful to God the Father. He did not seek man's praise. He lived for the glory of God and always sought to do what was right and honorable in the, in the lives of the Lord. So let's follow his example and use wisdom even if we are forgotten or despised. We also see in our text here that Not only is the way of the wise result in deliverance and brings about deliverance to a city and it it benefits other people, the way of the fool can bring disaster and destruction upon that which is good. Which is what Solomon communicates in verse 18 and then he illustrates this with a proverb in 10.1. The end of verse 18. One sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The picture is clear, right? Flies have landed in the perfume, in the bottle, and they've affected the smell of the entire bottle. That it stinks. The Apostle Paul uses a similar illustration in, in regard to the life of the church in the church of Corinth. They were, they were boasting about immorality and the life of the church and the negative effect it was having on the people. And then he says this, A little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. Just as a little sin corrupts an entire person or a church. Right? That, that's the idea here. The work of wisdom can be ruined by the behavior of a fool. So you might be thinking to yourself, or at least I was, I'm thinking to myself, if wisdom is better than weapons of war, if 
Wisdom is better than might, but it is forgotten, it is despised, and it's not heard and can be ruined by a fool, then why be wise? What advantage is there to being wise? What is the outcome of the wise and the fool? So look with me now at verses 2 through 4. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. The idea here is that the the direction of our heart leads us in the way that we go. The heart is the center of our affections, the center of our emotions, our desires, our will, our thoughts. And Jesus would say, out of, the, out of the mouth, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if our heart is wise, right, and, and we've defined wisdom and, and what it means to be wise, it's the skill of, of knowing to, how to live in God's created but fallen world. That's what it looks like to be wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So a person who has a wise heart knows the Lord. They have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And they seek to apply what they know to their everyday life. Wisdom, wisdom enables us to navigate our way through life in a way that brings honor and glory to Jesus. So if, if our heart is wise, we see here that it inclines us to the right. right? A person who is wise is led to the right. You may be familiar with this word right and its use in Scripture. It often refers to the place of honor, son of the right hand. Jesus is exalted to the right hand of God the Father. It is the place of honor or, or that which is good. It leads to the way of blessing. A wise heart enables us and helps us do what is right. But a fool, the heart of a fool, is a, is a person who doesn't know God. A fool says in his heart, what? There is no God. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what's a fool look like? Someone who despises wisdom. They despise instruction. They might be really smart. They might be really intelligent. They might know a lot of information about a lot of things. But when a person pursues his own way and rejects God, the Bible describes this person as a fool. They're on a path that's leading to condemnation and judgment. They are going in the wrong direction. And as a fool walks through life, it's clear to everyone else, except for the fool, right? It's clear to everyone that they are a fool. So the question for us then is this, as we apply this, 
Which direction are you going? What would others observe about the direction of your life? Perhaps you need a new heart. If our actions flow out of our heart, perhaps we need new hearts. And this was all of us at one point. We all needed new hearts. And so what do we do? What did we do? We pray and we ask God to give us new hearts. Take out this heart of stone and, and Lord, give us a heart of flesh. Incline our hearts to your will. Incline our hearts to you, O Lord, so that we can love Jesus, so that we can live for Jesus. Perhaps, and I would encourage you to do that if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, to place your faith in him, to ask the Lord for a new heart. But perhaps you see maybe yourself, you're, you're, you're a believer, you're trusting in the Lord, but you see yourself in certain areas in your life where you're heading down the way of the fool. You're heading down folly. Others are observing it. Maybe you're starting to notice it in your own life. You're heading in the wrong direction in certain areas of your, of your life. And so what do we do? We, we pray as well. Words like this. These are words that my children are learning. Song. It's a song. Like Solomon. Lord, make me wise. Make me wise. Let me see you with new eyes. Let me see through this world's lies. Let me see through this world's lies. There are so many paths to follow, and I don't want to compromise. I want to do what pleases you and bring you glory. It's a good prayer. One practical, practical way that we can see what direction we're going is in relating to those in authority or our response to anger. Okay, look with me now at verse 4. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. So wisdom teaches us not to fight or to take flight, but to calmly respond to anger. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's a lesson for me to learn as I raise my kids. If you deal with an angry boss or students, if you have an angry teacher or an angry coach, parents, if you're dealing with your children when they're angry, or maybe in your own marriage, when anger and conflict arise, the way of wisdom teaches us what? To be calm. To respond with gentleness, self-control, with a quiet spirit, with composure. Again, I'm speaking to myself. This is what Solomon, he 
focuses on in this next section. What do wisdom and folly look like in our day-to-day life? So he teaches us that, that we should use wisdom and avoid folly in our actions and in our work. And this is my second point. Use wisdom and avoid folly in your actions, in your work, and in what you do. So look with me now at at verse 5 through 11. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an heir proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. This text can be a little confusing at first. There's a lot we can draw out of this as we seek the way of wisdom and avoid the way of folly. So Solomon first, he he sees an evil that's done under the sun that flows from the ruler. This this ruler sets folly in high places. Right? When we can think of this in terms of government, right? Folly is set in high places. That's That's the context here. Those in leadership exalt that which is foolish. And as we observe this, we may wonder, how did that person get in the position that they're in? Folly. We see it. We see it in government. You see, folly is evident, especially in the context of government and of rulers and leaders, when when things are backwards and they're out of order in the way that society, in, in the society, in the way things ought to be. The righteous and the wise, and in this instance, the rich. This isn't a reference to the rich in a negative light, which we sometimes see in Scripture. But these are the ones that are put in low positions, while the fool is the one who is exalted. Right? This isn't the way things are supposed to be. And that's the error that Solomon observes here in our text. So, So the foolish leader is someone who puts in positions of authority those who have no right to be there. This was an error of the ruler. The ruler reveals his foolishness by his actions. Solomon now applies this wisdom and folly to our actions and in our work in the next few verses. And we'll see that wisdom helps one to succeed, which is why we should use wisdom and avoid folly. So look again at verses 8 and 9. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. So in the ancient world, people would dig pits to trap animals. Okay, this, this wasn't wrong for them to do. This wasn't foolish. In fact, it, it could be quite helpful. And yet, a person might fall into the pit that they actually dug themselves. And if they put their hand in a wall, they might get bit by a snake. Injury, injuries happen. They can come to anyone, even the wise. 
If you're moving stones or cutting logs, injury might still happen. That's what we see here. The, the response isn't that we stop doing our work. Right? It's not we stop doing actions because of the risk of getting injured or hurt. The response is to be aware, to be warned, and to use wisdom in what we do. And to apply this further, we might think, or the king might have thought, I'm wise. I know God. Or, I'm in leadership. And therefore, I'm immune to trials. I'm immune to difficulty. I'm immune to trouble, to, to injury, to danger. Bad things shouldn't happen to me. Even though we may be wise, accidents, life, circumstances, difficulty still comes our way. So should I pursue wisdom? Yes. Notice how he concludes verse 10. If the iron is blunt and, no, and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom, wisdom helps one to succeed. You see, the fool doesn't take time to sharpen his knives. He works harder and harder and harder to accomplish a task when wisdom would have actually helped him. Would have helped him exert less energy and less strength. The picture here reminds me of grilling on a nice summer's day. You're probably not thinking about summer right now. Although maybe you are because... You want this winter to go away. And perhaps you're thinking about grilling because you're hungry right now. It's time to eat. So we get out the grill, we, we, we make a nice, we uh, cook a nice steak, and then I give you one of my knives, one of my knives. Right? Now, I don't, I don't just give you a butter knife to try to cut the steak. I actually give you one of my steak knives. You still have a hard time. You still have a hard time. Cutting through that steak. How much better would, ha would it have been if I gave you a, a knife that actually worked? Right? A sharp knife that would cut through. Instead, you have to exert more and more energy and strength. That's the, that's the picture here. You see, sometimes we go through life thinking that we need to exert more energy. We need to exert more strength, and we never take time to sharpen our tools. We never take a break. We think it's a waste of time to, to do something that seems so meaningless at the time, so fruitless. Who wants to take a break and sharpen their tools? Why would I do that? Wisdom teaches the, us the value of this. Wisdom helps us to succeed. When I was in seminary, working overnight, so I worked 10 o'clock at night till 6-ish in the morning, sometimes 8, sometimes 10. 
I'd sometimes have to spend long hours doing my schoolwork, right? I'm tired. Although Becky thinks I never studied, I actually did. I spent long hours studying. I had a lot to do, but I remember this advice. This was the advice I was given. The most sanctifying thing that you can do right now is to sleep. Go to bed. You need rest. Go take a nap. This would enable me then, when I did my work, to be more effective and more efficient in my task. And hopefully this is a good reminder for all of us, right? It's, it's work, rest, repeat. Work, rest, repeat. So might wisdom then teach us that we are not immune to, to accidents, and it's not a waste of time to do things that might seem to have little value in the moment, right? Might we, might we realize that? And might we take time to rest. Third and finally, this point will be a little quicker. Use wisdom and avoid folly in your words. So I don't want to spend the entire time looking at all the details in, the, in this, these verses, but I want to highlight the use of our words, right, and how they reveal wisdom and folly. So verses, first verses 12 through 15. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. So here the words, the words of the wise are contrasted with the words of a fool. The words of the wise win him favor. They're, they're gracious, and they're often received well. This is the kind of speech that we are called to as believers, gracious speech. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Our words are to be gracious. They are to benefit others. The wise person builds others up with their words. But the fool's words consume him. They devour him. They, they tear others down. And not only do they tear others down, they hurt himself. A fool uses many words. In verse 14, they all know all about the future. When we think of our words, right, we recognize how easy it is to, to fall into this sin in this area of our lives, right? And so what do we need to do? We need to constantly go to the Lord in repentance. We often say things we regret. We are often too quick to speak, too slow to listen. And sometimes, I don't know if you've thought about this, but sometimes, even though it's the right thing to say, we might have the right thing to say. It might not be the right time to say it. We need wisdom to say the right thing at the right time and in the right way. 
right? It's not just saying the right thing, but in the right time and in the right way. So if you struggle with this, ask the Lord for grace. Ask the Lord to help you with your words. Solomon continues in verses 16 through 20. Verse 16, Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth the roof sinks in and through indolence the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts do not curse the king nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. So Solomon pronounces judgment upon the city when a foolish king is reigning in that place. Right? When we have a leader that acts like a fool, which becomes evident in their misuse of the country's resources or the city's resources, Right? They don't know when to feast at the right time. They don't feast at the right time. They're lazy. They don't lead well. They don't resolve the problems that need to get fixed or keep things from going astray. When this happens, Solomon says, problems in the land will quickly follow. When people in power misuse our resources for their pleasure or for what they want, People might get hurt. That's, that's the point. Food and drink and money, and we've seen this throughout the book, are made for our enjoyment. They're given to us to be enjoyed, even though they don't ultimately satisfy. They are useful and helpful. Money is helpful. It's a terrible God but practically, it's beneficial to have money. Right? And when, it, when a leader uses it for his own gain, it's not good for a city or a country. And then the temptation would be what? Right? When we see this happen, perhaps we see this in our own day, the temptation is what? To think and speak evil against that person that leader or that king. And that's what Solomon concludes in verse 20. Even in your thoughts do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. A foolish word said in private could eventually become public. And that's the dangerous thing, especially in Solomon's day of a, in a society with a king. Right? It might lead to their death. So as we apply this, what we say in private might become public. Remember that. Let's be careful and self-controlled with our words. That's what wisdom teaches us. For those with kids like myself, we recognize how many little birds are in the house. So let's be cautious. Let's be gracious with our words. 
And it's so easy today. I don't know if you experience this temptation. It is so easy today to voice our critiques, to voice our opinions, and to curse others through social media. It's really easy to do. Let's be aware of the effect that our words can have on others and ourselves. So as we, can, as we conclude, let's do what we can to be wise in our actions and in our words as we relate to one another. Let's pray that God would incline our hearts to him. and Let's seek the wisdom of God and use this wisdom to benefit and build others up so that Christ might get the glory and not us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, there's so much here. The way of wisdom is not easy. And sometimes our hearts can deceive us, thinking that we are on the right path. So we do ask that you would convict us of our sins, reveal our thoughts, our attitudes. In our actions and in our words, might you help us, enable us to seek Christ, to be wise, even though it might mean we are forgotten, even though it might mean we are overlooked. Help us be wise, help us not compromise. And help us live to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.